if our friendship had ended that night, it would have been a night that, you know, I could say, yeah, that was a good friendship and that was the best farewell ever for the end of a friendship. And that's kind of what boiled it down to that, that conversation, which kind of was sort of the crucible of our friendship, I think, to some extent as well. And it came down to the core of it. another episode of Love and Citizenship. A very good evening, morning, afternoon, whatever time you're listening to this from me and my three very sleepy dogs. But today's episode is sadly not about the three of them, but it does feature one of my closest friends. And today's conversation is about friendship. It features Danica McGowan, my classmate, my fellow creative. And there are so, so many things and so many stories that I have about Danica which is why preparation for this episode proved to be incredibly difficult because we didn't know where to start. And sitting down and having a very structured conversation about a friendship that is so just like real and close for both of us seemed very disingenuous, unauthentic. So we decided to gun it. Essentially just going into this conversation with the idea, a broad stroke of we want to talk about friendship, but winging it and hopefully hoping that we get something good out of it and something good we did get out of this. And it's also really interesting because this is the eighth episode where we're in the end game for this season of the podcast. And I'm happy to report we're, we're doing another second season. So that's that's happening. And pre-production work's already begun. I'm getting a sense of the topics, the kind of people that I want and things we could discuss. But this first season has been a baby step in some ways, a lukewarm water bath. I don't know where I was going with that analogy, but it's essentially dipping my toes into territory that I was somewhat familiar with and could get comfortable with. But I want to embrace the discomfort approaching season two. So if you've listened to the podcast so far and you think you have a story to tell or experiences that you think you want to share and feel comfortable doing so with an absolute stranger, which is me, reach out. I will absolutely build an entire episode around you and your experiences because I thrive off it. I really would like to engage with your story and your experiences and see if we can find a parallel there. So if you're a listener, I appreciate you, but you now have the opportunity of being a guest as well. And I will try and accommodate as many of you as I can. There isn't necessarily a 10 episode limit that I'm working with for the next season. And production for the episodes, as I've envisioned now, begins sometime late November. So you have all that time to make up your mind and more as we're approaching that time. And I'll put more calls out on social media. And thank you for tuning in again to this week's episode. I hope you're well. And without any further wait, Donica McGowan. Thank you for having me on, Fran. Yeah, so my name is uh, Donica McGowan. I'm, I suppose... <laughs> We've known each other quite a while now, Pran, a couple of years, I suppose, at this stage. We went to college with each other and have remained friends since then. We were involved in a uh, society with each other and we got to know each other very well. Prior to going to college, I'm from Ireland, as you might know from my accent. <laughs> I was um, basically I was raised in uh, Monaghan, uh, which is close to the Northern Irish border. So I grew up there and went to an Irish school there and then went to Dublin in college where I met Pran. And so the two of us do uh, a lot of writing together. And that's kind of how we, this was, well, one of the many things that we've bonded over over the years, but uh, that's one of the principal things I would say. <laughs> I think the, one of the first conversations I ever had about, with you was about 
the history page you used to run at the time, which I oh, was yeah. disappointed to hear wasn't an update every hour about the history on that day. It's called History of the <laughs> Hour. Very active, uh, would I be right in saying, for... Oh, it was five years. Yeah. Um, once, uh, like, <laughs> once I left college, it uh, kind of took a bit of a slump, really. <laughs> but um, it was, yeah, 2015 to 2020, it was on the go. Yeah. And yeah, that was our first proper conversation where you asked me, you know, like most people, you know, because I was doing basically a history post every day on a different type of historical event. And most people ask me, where the hell do you get this stuff? Whereas you were the only person who asked me, why are you doing this? Yeah. <laughs> so that kind of caught my attention. I was like, wow, that's the question I always ask myself. So yeah, yeah. like, where does this guy get off? <laughs> I remember so, it yeah. clear as day, actually. I think we were in yeah. the science block in Trinity. So that's the college that yeah. we went to in Dublin. And um yeah, I remember standing outside waiting for the lecture to finish and yeah, just being like, man, the history page, pretty cool. Why do you do it? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I think what I'm curious to explore, because obviously you and I've talked about like bits and bobs of this, but it'd be interesting to kind of delve into it maybe a bit more in terms of what led you to that point. So of course, it's such a wide range of years, especially from like being born to that lecture. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah. <laughs> I don't expect you to cover it all. But um, take us through your formative years, I suppose, um, growing up in like your world. And of course, I'll share my own sort of journey growing up. But to kind of really put the spotlight on you, mate, take us through the formative years of what your journey of, I suppose, growing up in rural Ireland was like. Yeah, well, I suppose, like, I mean, for me, in terms of friendships and my development, I mean, like my earliest years, I suppose it's most kids is that like you kind of accept things that they're given to you when you prior to I suppose you know when you're about 10 I suppose is when you're it begins to be your formative years in terms of you actually having to come to terms with how the world actually is as opposed to how it's being told to you you know when you're a kid everything is given to you and there's a kind of a set pattern to everything and to some extent your friends are almost given to you as well I mean the two friends I had back when I was a kid I, I, mean, I would still consider them friends I don't see them very much now but like they were basically arranged because our parents were friends, that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. But it's only when you're 10, I suppose, that kind of age that information starts to trickle down to the adult world. And from there, it's kind of like, where do the pieces fall? And that, those pieces fall very differently with people. So it's from that age, I would say that I kind of, the, the formative years begin of trying to come to grips with, oh, hang on, you know, this isn't true or that is true. And like, you know, it's around that time you have to start questioning who am I and where do I fall into place with all this that a lot of the kind of naive ideas that you have as a child start to quite frankly disintegrate <laughs> at that point onwards so i would say that's kind of that the formative years from 10 to about 14 15 maybe thereabouts that's kind of the years i would uh, pinpoint that you have to kind of realize kind of where you fit in which everyone else or don't fit in for that matter yeah. as well yeah. so that, that's where i would say it is uh, for me in particular i suppose around the age of 11 about 10, 11, I suppose I made the first friend that suppose, was outside of the original kind of arranged childhood world. And I suppose that was kind of a, a lesson for myself as well, because it was a friendship that came and went uh, over a couple of years. Mm-hmm. Um, but I suppose it was the first time a friend had actually, or a person who had actually decided to make friends with me wasn't parents that had decided, you know, let's have a meetup for our kids kind of thing. Yeah. And so that was the first time I think. And I've never actually had a friendship like that again because I've always kind of to some extent taken agency with friendships ever since then. The friendship mm-hmm. didn't end very well, as far as I recall anyway. And, uh, you know, they obviously wanted to be my friend for, for a very particular reason. And so I've, you know, I've never really had that kind of friendship again because once they kind of had their use with me, they kind of pretty much 
ditched me <laughs> essentially. So again, ever since then, I suppose I've kind of done that process of like, okay, let's not make make sure that never happens again. So basically, take control. I'll choose my own friends. Basically, don't let just things happen to me. You know, yeah. actually take charge of my own life. So um, I suppose that's that's for me is kind of the formative period um, to pinpoint. To dig in a bit deeper, and again, mate, mm-hmm. for to, to a degree that you suppose maybe feel comfortable, just tell me to fuck off if you're like, no, Pratt, move on. What was it about that friendship? Because I'm, I'm, I'm guessing it, it, it played a significant enough role in your life that inf- inf- informed your journey in terms of what friendships were going to be for you. It informed your journey going forward mm-hmm. and had an impact in a significant way. So maybe just like, if, if, if it's okay, what was it about that friendship? Like a, why did it end? And like, mm. how, how did the realization creep through? Like, was it immediate? It was like, oh no, this is why it ended. And they maybe wanted to be friends for different reasons. Or was it like a gradual mm. process over time? Well, I mean, you see, the thing is, was that a person, I mean, he wanted to be friends with me because well, he was a bit of a loner himself. So basically he you know, wasn't in a good place himself and basically saw me as someone cool to hang out with. And we were very good friends for a year or two. Um, but as I said there, once you kind of hit the kind of 12, 13 mark, uh, the world starts to change and so he had an idea of where he was going where I was going so I mean he was interested in uh, I remember like when we were around 13 I mean we did have common interests you know we liked the same kind of movies music that kind of thing but you know increasingly his, his idea of you know being a man was to be you know a mechanic an engineer and a, a kind of a world of gears and levers and you know working things basically and you know how to work a chainsaw and how to drive a car uh, I, on the other hand, was kind of a, a you know, an Irish version of Greta Thunberg at the time, so uh, <laughs> environmentalist. So you can see where that wasn't really going to work out in the long run. But again, it's uh, it also just fell into a social thing as well, where basically you know, suddenly he didn't want to listen to the same music as me. Very clearly didn't want me around anymore because he found another way to actually so was validate himself in, in that sense. Yeah. And the problem was that you know he'd put all his eggs in the basket with me, and then I'd kind of almost moved away from my own childhood friends. So I'd put a lot of my eggs in his basket. And yeah. so when things fell apart, then it really fell apart where I was up with no one at all. Then basically for about two or three years, basically of just having no friends. Yeah. And so that's kind of, it's a hard lesson that it's like, you know, you learn to very quickly to distrust people. And suppose there was betrayal at the end of it as well. Mm-hmm. That kind of stunted things on, on my part and probably, I don't know. I think it came back to haunt him for a couple of years. He didn't like the way it ended because he did come back to me later on about something else that was kind of related to it. But that for me, I suppose, was kind of the, the moment uh, that really kind of defined how, you know, when when you should be friends with someone. And it's, as it was the indicative moment that you know when a friendship is over is when you're with the person and you don't really want them to be there anymore. Like you kind of prefer, uh, do you know what? I like this feels like an obligation actually. Um, yeah. Get the hell out. I'd rather be on my own. You know, that's always a sign. If you want to be on your own, let it be with the person that it's finished, you know? It is. So, I mean, I suppose, you know, when you're left like that on your own, kind of, um, I suppose, kind of worth pointing out here, I suppose, I don't have been against being on my own generally. The problem, I think, as most people will say, is that its problem is when you're on your own amongst people. That's the the worst part because it's like, well, what the hell's wrong with you then? You know, Mm -hmm. everyone else is getting on fine and it creates this world of kind of, you know, a degree of envy and fear and paranoia. It's a lot of things that you go through that aren't particularly enjoyable, it must be said, to go through. But I would say, I, I mean, if I was to you know, make decisions again at that age, not that I would have known them anyway at that age, but I would still go through it because 
otherwise it wouldn't be who I am today. Absolutely. So again, that was the kind of the main part there. You know, once I, again, I had, I did have another friend outside of school, I suppose, for those two years. And once I lost him due to similar ish kind of reasons, like that was kind of a definite moment of, okay, well, listen, I have absolutely no one zilch now, like except for, you know, my parents, family, that kind of thing. So I actually have to make friends because I am going to go insane if I don't do this. So that began the process. And it wasn't an easy process because obviously there's a high degree of distrust that from the previous uh, epoch that needed to be dealt with for a long time. So, um, yeah. you know, but, but that is essentially the nuts and bolts of it, you know. What was that period like for you after like that friendship ended the first one? And you have this period where you've, w- would I be right in saying a bit isolated? Uh, yeah, pretty much so. Yeah. Okay. Again, I did have that friend outside of school who I was very good friends with and that ended mm-hmm. kind of, as was again, another thing where you kind of weren't a friend before where, you know, you reach a fork in, in the road basically and he goes yeah. down one way and you go the other way. You kind of realize you can go down the same road as them. But do you really want to go down it? And like, it doesn't, maybe it doesn't fit for you. So you have to go the other way. But uh, isolation definitely, I like that period. Like, because again, I didn't feel like I could actually express the fact that I was on my own to uh, this other friend that I had, you know, because it's, it's very, um, I suppose, self-insulating for basically you've left alone with thoughts for a long time. And basically, and you're kind of left wondering what, what happened here? Like, how did, how has everyone else moved on and left on my own here, you know? It's, it's interesting that you kind mm. of say that. Because, I mean, boarding school is a very, like, significant part of my life. It's five years of my life that in many ways either tested the foundation that I was raised on Mm. and then also really shook up my ideas for a lot of things. And I was obviously surrounded by people. I was surrounded by boys in my own house. But... When, when, when you talked about like, you know, you, you get to a point in friendships when you realize that you're slowly drifting away. And when you're talking about the shared interests in the movies, the thing that kept coming up to me was, isn't it so like beautiful, but also like ridiculous when you're like up until the age of, I'd say for me anyway, 10 or 11, when you, you start making friends with somebody because they have the same interest in movies or the same taste in music, or you both like the same video game. Isn't it interesting how like those things stop mattering after a point where instead of those things, because everybody likes music, everybody likes movies. And sure, if you don't like the same music, it's fine. You start making friends based on shared values. And of course we'll get into it. But yeah, yeah, it's, I, I can relate to the isolation if that makes sense. Sorry. I went on a whole tangent there, but yeah. (laughs) <laughs> okay yeah um yeah i mean i was doing that myself actually that you know you do kind of base friendships a lot on you know the shared you know <laughs> what you have in common with the person and it is important that you have similar hobbies so forth but i think there is a kind of naive you know part of that is kind of this search for you know i'm going to find my long lost twin who's exactly like me and then it very quickly starts to fall apart when you start to get them you know get to know that person better and realize, oh, we're actually not alike. Yep. And, uh, you know, an actual fact, the kind of initial rush when you're first friends with them is um, to some extent, you know, well, it's just naivety, but it's also just these, all these variables come together that allow for the conditions that make that friendship work. 
and the terrible time is actually when the friendship is fizzling out and you you know it's fizzling out and yeah. it's going to hell and yeah. you keep thinking you know when you're that age when you're a teenager you think oh, if we only just went back to what it was and you know back to when you know and it's like you can't turn the clocks back it ultimately it's like you know if it's changing you either have to depart or it's gonna end badly mm-hmm. you know and the sooner you realize that, the better off you'll be. But the fact is, you can't turn the clocks back. You know, you can't change to what things were. It's not possible. None of us can go back. And I 100% agree. I'm also stealing like Peggy Carter's quote from Captain America Winter Soldier. <laughs> and I said, none of us can go back. The only way is forward. But Steve, yeah. <laughs> but um, no, I, I, you're, you're dead right. It's also, I'm curious if, if you have any of those, but like, I grew up in a hometown that I left when I was very young. I don't have any friends from my childhood with the exception of two people. And, uh, I stay in touch with both of them, but it's, it's not the same if that makes sense. Right. So like we stay connected, but like those friendships wouldn't be the one I turn to if like I had a crisis, but mm, I'm trying to find the best way to maybe capture it and I fail, but. I mean, I have a similar thing, I suppose I mentioned there, I did have two friends from childhood and similarly, like the kind of thing where I wouldn't rely on them if it was a crisis, if I, you know, I don't know. But like the value of childhood friendships is they're they're almost sentimental friendships. You know, like they're almost nostalgic in a sense of, you you know, we were both at this time when, you know, we were both, you know, we were all in the Garden of Eden at the time or something, you know, and before, you know, we tasted the apple you know, knowledge yeah. and everything went to hell after that. But um, that's the kind of thing. And, you know, when we meet up, it's very similarly, it's always like, well, oh, you know, where are you now? And like, what's, you know, what are you doing now? Like, we kind of want to know what each other is doing. But beyond that, there's not much there. I say like, you know, I'd always be interested to know what's going on in their lives or, you know, have they new relationships or what is their job or their college, what are they doing? But it's never much more than that. You're kind of interested to know where they end up. Yeah. Uh, because I suppose when you're a kid, you kind of imagine we'll be friends forever, <laughs> which, you know, doesn't really happen. But I suppose symbolically in the sense that you're you're still kind of interested to know what each other's interested in, but it doesn't go beyond that. I don't think you could be friends with somebody forever, especially if you met them as a kid. Of course, there are people who are, who do, but because you're such different people and it's so rare yeah. to have people whom you met as like a child by virtue of, you know, your parents knowing their parents. And that's how most young friendships start. And mm-hmm. it's a miracle if you end up being people who share the same values, obviously same taste in music is an added plus, but it, it, it very rarely happens for me. It really doesn't. Or if like the values are shared, mm-hmm. there's like significant life altering events that have happened for each one of us that have like in perpetuity changed us and our outlook on lives. Yeah, well, I mean, likewise, I mean, you know, again, as I mentioned there, I went through that period of isolation, but those Mm -hmm. two childhood friends did not go through, you know, um, you know, I very much recall they were actually, you know, they had friends, they had, you know, they'd moved on, uh, whereas I was in a different place. And, you know, you don't come through that without having a different view on things. Even if interests and so forth are the same. And, you know, I did end up, you know, there was a resurgence of the friendship with the two of them Mm -hmm. guys after after that period of isolation, but your outlook on things is fundamentally changed by certain things that happen in your life. And I imagine it's the same for them that they've had, you know, things that happened to them that yeah. I just wouldn't, like fundamentally can't understand, you know, because I haven't gone through them, you mm-hmm. know. So that isolation then, what was that like? Uh, well, it was, uh, <laughs> to put it frank, it was uh, hell, <laughs> you know, 
yeah, it was sort of 13 to 15, I'd say. It's kind of the height of it. Again, it's kind of that, you know, it's funny, you know, because I was at school, you know, they tell you, oh, you know, if you're being bullied, you know, to tell the school, you know, we'll do something about it. But it then becomes a problem of like, how do you tell the school that the entire, you know, school culture is against you, that the entire, you know, structure is fundamentally yeah. wrong? Yeah. And again, that, as it was, as built up, this was a view that I've had over the years of, you know, seeing, well, maybe, you know, there's one, there's two ways of doing things. You know, you can be either the people in the group mentality, the herd mentality, where you kind of basically accept things as society gives it to you, or, you know, you kind of, what I do, which is like, you have to find your own road. And mm-hmm. basically, you know, find the model that fits you because this clearly isn't fitting. Yeah. And, you know, it's a harsh experience, but you learn a lot about yourself, I think, in darkness and in hardship, you know, in ways that, you know, you kind of come to pity, actually. <laughs> in later years, when you meet the people from school, the kind of the average, you know, classmate, and you see what they're like, and they haven't gone to college, and they're kind of just still being the same idiots they've always been. Mm-hmm you really come to pity them. They're kind of overgrown children in some ways. And they you can see them from a mile off, really. They, they haven't grown at all. Yeah. Because again, it's only true going through those processes kind of when you're confronted with serious questions of like, you know, why are you going through this? You know, what why are, what is the point of all this? And, you know, it's like, yeah. is there any point in living, you know, a lot kind of stuff that you really have to kind of decide what is your life going to be? And basically, why are you here? So like, it, you have to kind of answer those questions that, Whereas their answers, they they don't have to face those questions because they're insulated in groups, basically. So, yeah. you know, once a clique forms, they, they basically just are insulated from all that. <laughs> so they're insulated from that feeling of abandonment or being neglected or being feel like yeah. they're invisible. They don't have that feeling. They just feel like they're always part of a, a wider herd or a, a swarm or a flock, you know. I'm just picturing 15-year-old Tonica sitting in a field or like in your bedroom on your desk and like just looking out of your window and just pondering on a stormy night of like, why do I exist? Whereas like some 15 year old lad is masturbating on Pornhub. <laughs> the dichotomy. Yeah, that's, uh, yeah, that's, uh, yeah, you're not wrong. <laughs> Something along those lines, yeah. Yeah, the uh, dichotomy there is like you're pondering existence and your purpose for being alive. Whereas yeah. just like, that's not something that factors in like, that there's like I have such kindness and love for both those aspects because I didn't start pondering my existence until much later. I was very clearly the 15 year old masturbating, looking at Pornhub. Um, <laughs> so it's, it's interesting. It's interesting because like your life and our, my life are so like, if, if we're just going by that 15 year marker, right. Yeah. I was in such like different places. But what I find so fascinating, and I think we've had this conversation in some version, but just like to really put it down there, your metaphor metamorphosis into mm-hmm. asking or your process into the inquiry into the self started around the same time that my understanding of the self started happening. Because when you're pondering your existence at age 15, I'm finally yeah. in Canada surrounded by people who just accept me for who I am. So there's a sudden realization that I have where I go, okay, they're, they're, they're okay accepting me as the weird anomaly that I am on the best of days. Who am I? And so that prompted the change in me because for years I was surrounded in a little rock of the city where I felt like an outsider and then finally arrived in a place. So while I wasn't isolated in company, 
I was isolated yeah. in presence or like in mm. connection. Yeah. That that's the best way to put it. Yeah. Mm. And it's it's incredible, like the, the the different ways we went with it. But I, I I suppose not to kind of all make it like this ponderous, you know, self reflective, <laughs> life affirming decision kind of mode, but kind of just reflecting on like the tender, happy moments in your childhood and you, as we kind of established the formative years between like 10 and 15. What are some of the things that stand out to you? Some like moments that kind of come to you like, you know what? That was a fucking good day. doesn't matter what happened before or after. That was a good day. Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, like, <laughs> it was funny. I mean, in the formative years, I mean, I did talk about it, you know, obviously the isolation and the depression and so forth. But, you know, it's funny when you're a teenager because every day kind of as a, you know, <laughs> sort of, you know, it peaks and troughs a lot, you know, your, your life back then. So, I mean, there is moments that say, oh, yeah, that was, that was a, the best day ever. And the next day, it's like, I want to die, you know? So yeah. It's, yeah. A, um, it's, a, it's a strange time, actually. Yeah, I mean, like, it is funny because, I mean, you know, after the, you know, when I went through the depression thing, again, there was kind of the feeling of like, if only I could go back to being, you know, those good old sunny days when I was a kid and you know it's the funny thing that once you've kind of left those days though you know no matter how hard you try to kind of stamp out the knowledge of what the world actually is you just can't go back to how things were yeah and you kind of I think the more you realize that you have to make your own future the, the better it is then you start to realize oh, actually you know I actually do control you know my world I'm not actually completely helpless yeah. Um, now that's I think when we come to this anyway, but you know that's very much reinforced once you come to college because prior to going to college, I mean for me anyway, you know in Ireland, it's you know you know you don't choose your school like it is just by circumstance and friends you have it is just the best of the lottery of people that are there. Whereas <laughs> college, you're finding with people who actually you know have a morsel of intelligence <laughs> similar to yourself. So you know it is, and you it doesn't matter really your academic excellence, whatever that gets you into a college, you do to some extent choose the college you want to go to, basically. And as I said, that does change things because you do actually have agency over your life. And like I said, you, you can't actually choose who your friends are then uh, once you get to college, you know? Yeah. I say it, it gets to the point where it's like, well, do you know what? I don't have to deal with you every day because, you know, I can just fuck <laughs> off, basically. You know? So, you know, um, whereas in school, you just can't do that. It's like you're there every day, same yeah. class, it's nine o'clock, no matter what, like mm -hmm. there for eight hours and that, that's it. Uh, whereas in school, in lectures, it's kind of like, yeah, well, you know, I just don't have to go or, you know, I'll sit on the entire other side of the lecture hall. Yeah. And anyway, it's twice a, twice a week, so who cares, you know? So it changes the, the fabric of things once you get to college. I find maybe, maybe because I didn't have the best time in school ever when I think mm. about it now and not to take away from like the beautiful moments I've had as well. Like I'm, I'm never going to discount the good experiences, of, uh, experiences I've had or like the good people that I've met. But as a whole, when I look at my schooling years, not a big fan of them. Like I have such anxiety thinking about going for high school reunions because I'm terrified. I am. Yeah. Um, part of me is, I, I mean, Nobody really liked me in school. Well, not nobody, but like just there, there was a good enough people because I wasn't the cool kid. And also like, I don't know, they used to call me Gandhi in school because I like I was very set on my principles and ways. So as you can imagine, and I kind of looked like a mini Gandhi with my round glasses and practically bald head. Um, yeah. So I get it. I get it why it was. But yeah. I get I get the reason. This was the uh, this was the thing is it's not what they were calling you. It's the reason why they were calling it. It's, yeah. a, it's a cheap gimmick, you know. Is is the point? 
uh, it's more I mean, I was commonly called either, uh, you know, Jesus or a robot, you know, so like one or the other was, well, Jesus. And you're neither, as we know, so. Yeah, no, no very much so, no. <laughs> no. Not the case. No. So, but, um, but yeah, I mean, like you kind of come to understand that basically more and more as the years go by that they're actually the ones who are diminished if they're calling you a name, basically, because it's actually, yeah. they, they need to call you a name to actually verify who they are in, in some sense. It's only by, that kind of difference that they understood that you know they kind of relay their own anxiety about themselves and you kind of just come to pity them really as it, as it goes along you know i don't i mean okay there, there's some people that come to mind as like always a dick never changing my opinion like they'll always be a dick because they were yeah. such dicks when i was in school but then there's yeah. people because like i've i mean you've you've come to know it and there's there's a culture that was very present in my school that made it impossible for people to kind of set them apart from the system, right? And you kind of talked about like the yeah. problem was the system and the people in there just like were drifting along. And so they were part of the process, not necessarily the problem, but like they were the system in a way. Yeah. And like th that was the same with me. And I felt so alienated with no ill intent on anyone's part, but just because I was so aware that the system wasn't a thing that I wanted to be a part of. I ended up standing out. So I've such mm. like, again, this can go on for hours and I want to get to the good bits of like college. Yeah. But yeah. I think, yeah, I mean, listen, possibly a, there, there could be a whole like podcast on like my school years, but, and like reflecting on different school years, maybe who knows, we'll do it someday. But it's just long story short, I think I've such like, I don't like my school years. Like I've actively distanced myself from my school years. Like I have made a conscious decision of never going back to my school as an alumni for the big alumni event. Like I'll go in isolation when there's nobody yeah. around and it's just the teachers and the students and I can do it on my pace rather than just go back and people still fighting about the boarding houses and who won hockey in 2012. Just like, yeah. Yeah. I've, I've no love lost for school, which is why I think I'm same to kind of bring our journeys in like a natural, like center point yeah. as we're both entering college. You, we, we both now have a sense of we, we own the, we have the agency. I think that's the realization you and I both had at certain points that we have the agency to form our own friendships. So what are we looking for now? When you're coming into college, you have a keener sense of the self, of who you are, what your values are, mm -hmm. I would like to think. But also, how did that challenge your notions of self? And like, how did that inform the kind of friendships you wanted to have? Only thing is, like in school, as bad as it is, and I can, I mean, same as you, didn't really, I shed no tears when I left, really. But the fact is that when you're with all those people, you're with them for X amount of years. I, mean, I knew some people in school that I'd known for 14 years. Yeah. And even if I didn't, wasn't friends with them. I didn't know them and I'd seen them at their best and seen them at their worst. You go to college and you're suddenly confronted by lots of people who are interested in the same stuff you're interested in, yeah. who are kind of, you know, I suppose they're the same age as you and they're actually all intelligent, you know, yeah. and you kind of automatically, I, I found anyway, and I think probably haven't for you as well, where basically you kind of dive into friendships with people, not actually knowing who they are. <laughs> and 
which turns out to be a problem then as you kind of get to know them better. You yeah. end up, I think the first year is particularly interesting because like over the course of like, even though we know someone only for two weeks, it's like, oh God, it feels like we've known each other for 10 years. <laughs> and it's like, that's simply just not the case yeah. at all in any way. Um, and it becomes very apparent as uh, you get to know them. Um, as I had a few of those snags here and there in early college where it's kind of like, yeah, great friends. And then a year passes, like, ah, don't think so, mate. <laughs> like, I'm not hanging out with you. This is, uh, you're a bit of a, a creep. So, yeah. you know, it kind of moves on that way. And that, that in itself as well, you know, I suppose for me, particularly after such a bad time in school, I was very much, I really wanted to be someone who was like exactly like, it was going to, you know, like be interested in all the same things. And as I did kind of almost relapse to a very naive level of like wanting to have friends in that that sense. And I suppose those first two years in particular kind of really refined, okay, you know, particularly after first year, it's like you suddenly filter out lots of people that you were your so-called friends in, Mm -hmm. in first year. And then by third year, definitely all those kind of superfluous people are, are pretty much gone from your life. Yeah. Um, so I think that was really kind of a, an interesting experience. I mean, if I saw them on the road, it'd be kind of like, hey, how are you doing? Kind of thing. But I'm not going to, again, I'm not going to call them if I have a, you know, a major medical issue. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. So it's, um, I think that was very much a, a turning point for me. And again, it really kind of, what it came down to was, I think, actually the summer after first year where I met up with a couple of people. And it was only one person that I met up with where it was kind of like, oh, do you know, I actually really enjoyed being with that person. And the other people, it kind of just felt like not, it's kind of, just, yeah, yeah, whatever. Whereas it was only one person who was like, do you know, that was actually really fun to be. And I think they kind of felt the same actually, because again, we've kind of, well, we've been very good friends ever since then. Yeah. Um, so I would say that was, you know, that was a, a moment definitely. But as I like, I think again, it, the whole thing of, you know, basing it on similarities, I think it's the problem again, where you're kind of, building on things that are similar and it's actually a very brittle foundation to build a friendship on. Whereas I think once, you know, you start actually building a friendship on based on what's different and you can actually accept the person for who they are as an individual, Mm. uh, that changes the dynamic quite a lot because it's no longer about, you know, we're the same. It's about uh, we are different, but we're equals, I think. And that's very much the dynamic now, very much aimed towards now, you know? Yeah. I was so alone for the first two years of college mm. because I was so alone in high school that I strictly ended up making friends, not because, well, I barely made any friends to begin with, but mm. I was just interested because I didn't want to be alone anymore that I had kind of almost upsell myself in ways. There were things about me that were true then they still are today, but like I'd advertise those things about me you know like the best way i can describe it is like six weeks in peru fucking like a peacock in the feathers and just dancing all over the place being like you know what oh my god the boat incredible jeez rainforest talk to me about rainforest and i was very selective in what i was showing but as a process because i wasn't being an authentic human i lost out on authentic people and my only friend in all of my time that was genuine was somebody who was on the podcast, David. And that, that was somebody that I could honestly be myself with because I don't know, there was a kinship to us. And that's, that's the only friendship that has survived since first week of college. And the only other friend outside of David that I had was my ex. And that is such an unhealthy dynamic to have because a, it's not just a loss in the relationship, but it's also loss in friendship. And 
mm-hmm. I was somebody outside of that relationship that wasn't me. And there was, there was a, a lot of my fears, my crippling fears, but loneliness were really informing and affecting my relationship as well. And then it all yeah. comes crashing down. It all ends by the time third year rolls up. Yeah. And of course, like I had the journey of like being isolated. So I had started pondering the questions of what kind of friends do I want? But finally, and that catalyst of the relationship ended, jolted me into the space of who are you? Why do you exist? The mm-hmm. same questions you ask yourself at age 15, I was asking myself at age 22. And that transformed my life because now I had a very clear idea. I didn't want friends who had the same interests in me. I still don't want that because you and I have similar interests. And by stroke of luck, we ended up being good friends. But I think the reason I was drawn to our friendship or even you as a person was there's an authenticity to you. And for the first time in my living memory, I started embracing the own authenticity in me. I am an idiot on the best of days. You know this. But instead of shying away from it and instead of kind of moving away from me or trying to sell parts of me that were more desirable, I was like, this is who I am. I am comfortable with this. And it was a process. It took a while. I've had many fuck ups, both in love and friendship, but it got me closer. And if I could boil it down to what I started looking at of friendships, I find I will always gravitate towards strong people, strong, not just like powerful gym going folks or just like strong in terms of power, but no strength in character, because the thing I know I need most out of my friendships is somebody who can call me out on my shit. Because in my journey of growing, I do tend to fuck up. We all do. And you and I have at different times called each other out, but not in like, Hey Dick, stop that in the, (laughs) Hey mate, that thing you said to X, Y, and Z, you know, I didn't want to say it then because it's not my place then. And I, I realized that things were a certain way. But Pran, maybe that wasn't the way to talk to that person. And you've said that to me with once. And yeah. I love you for it. And our friendship is stronger yeah. for it. Not because you chose to be silent in those times, but because you chose to be like, I am putting the mirror in front of you just so you know this isn't okay. And I love you, but this isn't okay. And all my f- yeah. friends that I can look at now, people I'm inst- being in touch with, and the pandemic has done it for all of us. I think we've learned to really... Yeah only <laughs> prioritize people who make us more us and like yeah. add to our lives. Mm-hmm. I am for the first time so happy and proud to be surrounded by the people that I am because collectively they all make me a better person. Yeah. Yeah. True. Yeah. No, I mean, I'd say the same, like, I mean, again, <laughs> you do just, I mean, I find anyway, I just terribly just, I find it terribly off-putting when you meet people who are basically kind of these group sycophants who kind of, are completely disingenuous and, you know, basically put on a sort of a mask every day with their, with their friends of mm-hmm. like, this is, you know, they basically pretend to be someone else. And the reason I find it so off-putting is because if you become friends with them, they, like the moment that they need to change the mask, they'll change it and they don't yeah. care. And that's then gone uh, very quickly. Whereas when you meet someone who's authentic and knows who they are, it's like, you can know you can count on them really. Yeah. Like, and it, you know, it really would take a very, extenuating circumstances for stuff to break down for that person, yeah. you know, which then I think is what kind of I suppose, drew, drew us together <laughs> to some extent. Um, although I will maintain that, you know, part of what <laughs> drew us together as well, and it comes back to the first time that we, I think, began our friendship is <laughs> actually a yeah, common sense of humor, actually. <laughs> oh my <laughs> you know? God. Uh, 
because <laughs> I, you know, I would actually <laughs> would maintain that there's actually common sense of humor because I didn't realize this recently when it, you know you asked me to do the podcast about you know friendships and so forth. If you don't have a common sense of humor with someone, you can't actually relax with them, yeah. and it will always be an obligation all yeah. the time, and it'll yeah. always be like, oh, geez, the time. Look at that. I have to go now. <laughs> Whereas if you've got a sense of humor with someone, I mean. Listen, we lost an hour and a half that night. <laughs> just laughing. Oh my so, God. Like, you know. yeah. so, so to put this in context for anybody that's listening in, Donica and I used to volunteer for this helpline together. And uh, we're, we're both on the phone line that evening. It's very quiet. So not, not many calls coming in. And there's four volunteers and phones, volunteer A and B, shall remain volunteers A and B, and then there's yours truly. <laughs> and... Uh, we, we talked before, like we, because you'd been part of the volunteer group, I'd talk to you and I'd take out the time and we started like hanging out in lectures as well, not outside of them because we, we didn't know if this yeah. was what, what this was. But yeah. I remember so distinctly that evening because you and I just went off on a tangent, lost 90 yeah. minutes on that tangent. And by the end of it, you and I were like holding our bellies because they were hurting. And the other two volunteers, <laughs> volunteers A and B, were just looking at us being like, what the fuck is going on? And <laughs> I think for both of us, a light bulb went in our heads of like, yeah, this can be a friendship. Um, yeah. <laughs> and we've had such like yeah. beautiful rituals in our friendship as well, because yeah. our graduation, I love it so much. I really do. Because for the first half, we all got to have dinners with like our families. And like, obviously my dad couldn't be here or my sister. So my mom came over. And I collected yeah. like all these other friends in my life, people who were very important and mm. got to have them over for dinner. And it was lovely and incredible and such good food. And after like kind of dropping my mom off at her place, just it was the four of us. And instead of going to a club, instead of getting blackout drunk, in fairness, we did get fairly drunk. But I just remember that evening with such fondness because it was just true to our collective friendship. It was, it was intimate. It was wonderful chats. It was taking the piss out of each other, but it was exactly how I would have wanted and I wouldn't change thing. It was so incredible and I have such fond memories of it. And it was beautiful. And who would have thought that a year after graduations would be online, <laughs> but yeah. fuck me. That was, <laughs> I, I love that day. I love that day in a way that I can't describe. Yeah. Yeah. Again, I mean, I think that, I suppose speaks volumes about I suppose, the, the four of us, especially the fact that there is that authenticity there because if there wasn't, then we would have gone out to a club because again, would have felt obliged to because it was expected of us, whereas we kind of just did what, what was easy for us, you know? Yeah. Yeah. That was a good evening, actually. That was a, a good way to seal off college. Yeah. It's such, such an incredible day. The other day I think I want to take us back to is, is the first time I came to your place now. For anybody that's <laughs> never met Donica, Donica carries himself with the air of how I often refer to him as the Dark Lord. Um, not like <laughs> Voldemort. No, no, no. Picture, picture, hey, uh, may, maybe Sauron. I don't know, but like with more gravitas. King of <laughs> yeah, there, there, there. The Witch King. Perfect. Nailed it. And I was, I was expecting like his house to be like this big, like castle with fiery embers and pits with crocodiles. No, it's the loveliest place I've ever been to, uh, because it was, it was just like, I think the, the perfect environment that we needed for that weekend, because we've all, we'd all had like our own bits of things before that. 
And it was also like exactly two months before the pandemic. And mm. I just remember that evening and that, sorry, that weekend with such fondness for no other reason, but because your dad recommended that we watch Rango and he yeah. suggested that it's <laughs> the best Western. And I was like, oh, okay. I'm not sure an animated movie would be the best Western. Uh, as of today, I've probably watched Rango go 30 times. So <laughs> yeah, what a fucking <laughs> incredible weekend. <laughs> Yeah. Definitely 300 times, I think, at this point. <laughs> oh my God, such a good movie. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Now, that was a, again, that was, <clears throat> that was a good um, weekend for a couple of reasons. I think one of them in particular was the fact that <laughs> I think it does grind down to the fact that it was the, the post college, pre COVID, you know, world, the kind of that, uh, well, just frankly, kind of shit, really, you know, <laughs> you get into it. But um, yeah, I think that's that was kind of the, the next stage. I suppose of our friendship in that, that sense, it was a, a watershed. The fact that I think we were very much on the same on the same page uh, after college um, in that sense from the, the summer of 2019 on into I suppose March 2020, and that was a moment as was where we kind of even though it was different things were going on in our lives that we were both very much on the same page and we understood even if we weren't explicitly saying it. So we were, you know, we weren't in different worlds, so to speak. What I and allow me to be emotional for a second, but in there's ways. And of course I'm a big believer in karma and not so much mm. destiny, but like a gravity that draws you to like-minded people, especially people that mm. you're meant to meet in that path in life. And what I, there, there, there was a time in when I met you and not like first two years of college, but like in third year when we started becoming friends, mm. yeah. that that was probably the lowest I've been in living memory. Mm. And I've said this to you before, and it sounds so dramatic when I say this, but in, in ways that I can, oh, I call myself a writer, but like <laughs> it's, it's hard to capture it. But like, I owe you a lot. I do. I really do. And in not just for that year alone, but in the many tangible, and there's many, many a tangible way, but also the many like intangible ways that you've always a pushed me to be better, but also inspired me to be better. It's an example that comes to mind. I hated college because early yeah. on in college, I realized that I was studying a course that I was too late to switch from, but also that I found no meaning in. And yeah. in having you in my life, somebody who to this day is just so drawn to knowledge in a way that I can't yeah. ever explain, it inspired me to be better. Like your work ethic. And I used to tell myself this, and this was very early days in our friendship. I was like, if I could be 10% of what Danica does, I'd be so well set for like post-grad. And like, I don't know yeah. how I didn't fail third year. I don't know to this day. But clearly <laughs> I didn't. And also because I started yeah. changing my habits, like I started showing up for lectures and I yeah. almost felt like I was missing out on those moments with the three of you when I wasn't showing up yeah. to lectures. So it drew me to yeah. my lectures and then our little rituals, which carried on for like fucking years afterward, like we'd get breakfast after <laughs> lectures in final year, which was to this yeah. day, I miss it, mate. I miss it so much. Yeah. Uh, in, in the short mm. that I'm writing at the moment, that's one of the opening scenes of the story where like yeah. two characters are just <laughs> sitting on a bench overlooking the cricket pitch, having the conversations. It's because mm. your, our friendship, and I'm sure you have your take on it. And like, I'll never take agency for it, but our friendship is built on like 
pulling each other up at times. Mm. Like I started flexing my creativity exactly around the same time that our friendship got better because I saw you immersed. For anybody that doesn't know, Dunnick has been writing a story for the last 10 years. And when I say story, I mean like seven volumes and he's written it. Like I've seen you halfway <laughs> in that process, even less. But like, I, I love this. I've saw, I, saw, I remember this day so vividly where like we talked about your story and we talked about your writing. And I, I remember asking you about this and you were like, wait till I see you next. And you did. It was an evening and fuck me. You pulled out maps and like these random scripts from the past where like you'd scribbled and you made these entire worlds. And I was lost. I was like, fuck me. This is incredible. Like when I was starting to flex my creativity by re-editing my shitty poems that I wrote as a 16 year old, here you were building an entire world with like lore and history and oh my God, it blew my mind. <laughs> Fucking hell. Uh, yeah. So, yeah, Jesus. But it, it, for, at, at the risk that I realize I've gone on for long, I think to kind of wrap up what I'm trying to say here, I am a better person because of a friendship and not just in our friendship. Mm -hmm. But because of all the ways it's in, in a way made me more of me, it's made me more sort of human yeah. outside of it. As was, I mean, the moment for me when, you know, <laughs> as was, I don't actually point it in Turger. I mean, obviously for you, that was the moment when, you know, you kind of got inspired by me through college. For me, it was always uh, the moment at the start, very start of final year when we were doing um, Secret Police together. And uh, you saw my notes on one oh meeting. And I remember just your eyes kind of widening. <laughs> like, oh, <laughs> this is the standard, <laughs> yeah. you know. But um, yeah, no, I mean, like, I would say the same likewise. So, like, I mean, I've definitely grown having known you. Because, again, this was, <laughs> as you're so this was actively kind of soul-searching all the time. Mm -hmm. It has kind of made me, I mean, not that I wasn't doing it beforehand, but it does kind of bring it to another level. I feel like the two of us, like, again, we do complement each other very well. I think in that sense, yeah. we are different from each other fundamentally. Like there's things that you enjoy that I <laughs> fundamentally, <laughs> we just don't get with each other. Oh my God. <laughs> you know, <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> you know, uh, romance for one <laughs> would be a big one. But the fact is, I think we, we don't judge each other on these things. You know, it's kind of, we always know where to distance ourselves from each other, which is just the right amount of distance and just the right amount of closeness. So there's no, we don't, like there's at no point I've, I've uh, I ever kind of shed judgment on you, like crushing no. judgment anyway, <laughs> not, uh, not for anything you've done. And likewise, yeah. you know, you've never kind of wondered, you know, why aren't you romantic, Donica? You know, yeah. what, what's going on there? Like, you know, you should yeah. be doing this. So again, that's, that breeds respect, I think, in that sense. Uh, mm -hmm. for both of us, you know, it's from the mutual respect there that we can appreciate our differences and not yeah. have to you know fall apart over it, you know there's no judgment in our friendship and i love it mm. and when when there's judgment it's more like a piss take than like oh my god you deviously devilish human no it's never yeah. that and i'm grateful for it because it, it only means that it allows both of us for a space where we can like express ourselves because you know there's no judgment and if there's like a word of warning yeah. or there's like redirection that comes. It comes from a place of love and care and being like, maybe it isn't like a good idea. Yeah. I know for me, like last year in Dublin was that time where like I heavily, heavily relied on your judgment sometimes to ground me because my, I, I, I just was heavily stressed and like you temper my, I'm, I'm, I get angry when I'm stressed, I get very angry and you, you would temper my worst instincts. And I think 
because of the kind of person I am, that's how I benefit from a friendship. And of course, I'd like to think all my soul searching and not forever pondering the question of all the things that I do have rubbed off on you as well, because, and I think it's a neat little rainbow to wrap up our conversation with. Um, I want to take us back to my last night in Ireland. <laughs> yeah, the night. <laughs> yeah, oh. the night when we almost got crushed by a meteor. Yeah, that night, yeah. <laughs> I had to very quickly emigrate from Ireland, like at least a week, 10 days actually, 10 days before I was meant to. And I knew I wanted to see you before I left. And I'd start saying my goodbyes well in advance, but... Mm. I hadn't seen you. It, it had been months before I seen you. And I knew with the pandemic, it would be a while before we got to see each other. And no matter how often you and I like do video calls, it never can make up for the in-person conversations. Right. And I remember sitting down with your family for lunch. The skewers did help. I will hold on to, <laughs> oh my God, I've given up meat <laughs> for, for a yeah. very long time now, but Jesus, the one thing I'm drawn to is like, oh my God, I'm glad I had that before I gave up meat. And uh, <laughs> yes, the skewers help, but just sitting on the table with you and realizing that I wanted to make the most of that time because I don't know when I'd get it next. I'm so glad I decided to stay the evening at yours and basically spend the night with your family rather than just take the immediate bus back after lunch because yeah. we got to do archery, which is great. I'm sorry, I lost your arrow. Yeah. Really am. Yeah. And... Uh, <laughs> Some, I am, <laughs> but, uh, that, that conversation on the table, and I know there's a way that I will always describe it. So maybe I want to hand the reins off to you of like how mm. you feel about that evening. And then obviously I'll wrap it up with yeah. basically how I feel about it. But yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, I felt it was the, I mean, it was, it was the evening, I suppose it was the, kind of the, the cherry on the icing of the cake really, but it was the, the full day. I think it was, um, it's you know funny enough i mean like again not that we weren't going to be friends afterwards but if our friendship had ended that night it would have been a night that you know i could say yeah that was a good friendship and that was good you know and that's the best farewell ever for the end of a friendship you know if if zoom and you know nothing else existed and that was the last time i saw you then that would be a good time to have been the last time to have seen you not some you know shitty business meeting or something like that yeah. you know that that was the right way of ending uh, things up your time in ireland i think definitely and it was the full day it was just a very very relaxing very satisfying day generally but that evening i think it was again it kind of just boiled down to a lot of what we're talking about how much you just you know why are we here you know who who the hell are we <laughs> like at the end of the day you know we know who we are but again it kind of it, that's kind of what it boiled down to that, that conversation which kind of was sort of the crucible of our friendship, I think, to some extent as well. And um, it came down to the core of it, you know? Yeah. I, I miss that. Mm. Ah, um, <laughs> I hold that evening as one of the most, like, it was just that that day was perfect. Mm. And yeah. like right from the walk along the river, which was a holy shit, was a trek to get to, but also just like, yeah. Callie, uh, Donica's dog, just jumping <laughs> like in the reeds. Uh, I still have videos for it. I might put it up when I promote this on yeah. social media. But man, if I had any dates, of course, there'll be times when our communication doesn't happen as frequently and when both of us get busy in our lives. But because I'm, 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 I've, I've left and I'm always terrified that I'll lose out on people when I leave 
But if I had any doubts, that evening confirmed that no matter what happens, there'd always be ways where you and I will find ways to communicate because we both got something so significant out of that evening. Like when we still talk about it, obviously we're doing it on a podcast, but like when we're not pressing record and we do talk about it, I think it's an evening I'll tell my kids about where like Uncle Donica, you know, (laughs) and I just like talked about life. We started with like aliens and extraterrestrial life and perseverance was a big conversation then and curiosity was perseverance came later, but like all these different things were happening. And then we started talking about our lives and how small we were, but like how infinitely great each person's capacity to do good is. And my fucking God, just like it filled me with excitement for both our futures because I was going to go full time into creativity for a year. And you were going to do your own creative projects and looking forward into the future as an academic. Well, Donica is now going to study genocide in uh, (laughs) fucking Sweden. So incredible things that are happening for both of us that we set an intention out for that evening. And it's all come to pass surprisingly and in ways that you and I never really could have imagined. Yeah. But what I will always remember about that evening is the capacity for two of us to just have like such honest, beautiful conversations under the stars as a meet space particle, whatever space rock burnt in the atmosphere with a big flash, your dog just running around us and you and I just enjoying a lovely black current. Yeah. <laughs> I will always, always remember that. Mm. Yeah. Again, I think that, that honesty again comes almost from that. I think that level of, well, I spoke about it originally where, you know, there's that level of tolerance for our differences because once you know that, okay, they don't agree with what I do or how I say things or whatever, but, you know, I can be myself with that person and you can be honest then about who you are instead of there's no mask that you put on and there was no mask that evening. That's what friendship is, I think. Mm-hmm. A, 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 a connection where there are no masks. Yeah. And uh, I think that's what love is as well. So there's love and friendship and uh, Mm. I love you. I really do, brother. And thank you for coming on to this. You're welcome. Thank thank you for having me on. (laughs) It's a no brainer. You were always going to be on this podcast. And uh, (laughs) what a brilliant, brilliant way to, to kind of, I don't know, celebrate a brilliant, significant time in our friendship where we're both now starting on different journeys as well. But is there anything you'd like to say before we wrap up the episode? Um, no, not at all. I think everything that's had to be said has been said. Fucking <laughs> like incredible. Uh, yeah. Still alive, I see, Dodica. That's good. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I am indeed, yeah. Surviving. Yeah. Um, <laughs> no, not dead yet. <laughs> yeah, not today. Yeah. Thanks. Thanks for coming in to this episode. And, uh, God, I got emotional, but, uh, you know, I'll take it out in the editing room. Maybe I won't. Maybe I'll keep it in there. Thank you for tuning in to anybody that's listening. As always, there's an episode that comes out every week. And uh, look forward to seeing you in the next one. And Donica, thank you once again for being on the episode.